our vision series. And then today, I'm going to talk about, uh, as we kick off this month, an important time that we're setting aside this week, which is a time of corporate fasting. And so the message today really is uh, about the power of fasting. And I'm going I'm to talk about it in two lights, because when I read the scriptures, I basically see two uh, types of fasting, if you will. I see individual fasting, and then I see corporate fasting, and both are important. This is going to be a little bit of a teaching today around, you know, what, are, what is fasting, what are the differences in individual and corporate fasting, and what is the significance to us as believers uh, to having this spiritual discipline worked in as a part of our lives. And so we're going to have a corporate fast beginning tomorrow on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And uh, I'm going to invite all of you to participate in that with us, but I think this message today will help pave the way for that, for your heart to really hook in with it. And I'm also challenging everyone, again, you be prayerful and you feel, you know, confirmed that this is something that you want to participate in, but I'm also challenging everyone through the month of January, the entire month, to give up or fast uh, some sort of pleasure or luxury, something that is a part of what you enjoy regularly through the entire month of January to just kind of press in and go deeper with God during this whole process. Because we're really seeking the Lord to just re to reveal the vision clearly to the people, uh, for the vision to be embraced and ownership to be taken, for people to see their place in that, and for God to move us all forward together in a unified way. And so this time of fasting is to really press in and seek God to do that over these next number of weeks. But giving up something through the entire month of January, whatever that might be for you, uh, would be a way of continuing to just sort of press in throughout that entire period. Make sense? All right. So let's talk about this first point, number one, individual fasting. Individual fasting. To fast basically means to uh, withhold from, withstand, or to deny yourself of something. The most common, of course, is food. Someone would fast food and strictly drink water during a period of whatever days that they choose to fast. But there are other ways that you can fast, certainly. Um, there's no like specific, it's got to happen like this. There's often uh, what people refer to as a Daniel fast which is when they're strictly eating fruits and vegetables and water, so there'd be no meat, no dairy, no, no grains. Um, obviously, that is, that's kind of a big deal. And so whatever it might be, you could also add things into your time of fasting, or this might be for your month of January, like television or certain types of technology, um, you know, certain other things. could be whatever you, you choose for it to be. It's something that needs to be a sacrifice for you. It's something that when you do that, uh, you feel the pain of that in your flesh. So if you were to say, okay, I'm going to fast politics, like that doesn't count, okay? <laughs> Not going to work. It's got to be something that you're going to feel. And I want to make this point really, really clear. The things that we fast when we choose to fast that are maybe luxuries or pleasures for us that satisfy the flesh, they're not necessarily bad things. They, they're not necessarily things in themselves are inherently bad. What happens when we choose to withhold from them is we deny our flesh man something that it wants or something that it would crave. Obviously, food we have to have, right? 
And so we're denying ourselves something we would want or crave. And the key is we're replacing it with something else. So what it's not is a diet on steroids. That would be of no benefit to anyone to just say, I'm just not going to eat. Great, I just did a great fast. The idea is, is whenever the flesh begins to experience those hunger pains, those cravings and those desires, we withhold from giving it that. And then we fill that space, that time in those moments with something different. Prayer, worship, reading the Bible, reflecting on the things of God. We're pressing in and going deeper with God. And so we're denying the flesh, but we're feeding the spirit. Does that make sense? It helps your spirit man to grow stronger. It edifies your spirit man. We know that Moses fasted when he was on the mountain with Right? Getting closer, going deeper with God. We, we, we could never say at any point, I've reached the end of this. I am as close to God now as I can possibly be. It's funny, the kids, one of the things they got for Christmas was a, a, a video game. And after like a few days, several of them already beat the game. It was over. They finished the final level. Well, you know, once you finish it, it's like, what's the point in playing it anymore, Right? You're just going to start over and go back through it like it's over. You've got as far as you can go. You've reached the end of it. That's it. Now you know everything there is to have in there. With God, it's that way. We never get to this pinnacle of being close to God. So God invites us into certain rhythms of our life, disciplines and ways of living, fasting being one of them, that are to help us to continually grow closer and closer to him in more intimate ways throughout all the seasons of our lives. It's a wonderful adventure. And so fasting is a way for us to edify that spirit man. But listen, obviously, we don't fast 365 days a week, right? That's, that's not the rhythm of life. We come to these moments and these places where fasting becomes a response. And I would say it like this. It is divinely prompted or even we're compelled by the spirit to go into this place of fasting as an, a response to God to go deeper or press in or seek more from him than we might in other periods. There's like these inflection points and these moments along the way where we, we get more intense with how we do that. Yes, we read the Bible, we pray, we worship regularly throughout our lives, but when we go into a time of fasting, we're kind of stepping it up a bit, if you will. We're getting into a more intense rhythm, and these are good fluctuations throughout our life to constantly growing in our spiritual walk and in our journey. Does that make sense? Jesus fasted, obviously. Now think about this, because he's always the pattern. If Jesus went out to the wilderness to be with the Father and fasted to make that time more fruitful, then it sets a pretty good example for us that this is something we would need to follow. Would you agree with that? Jesus fasted many occasions, and he fasted to get closer to the Father also want to point out that when he would come back from these moments of fasting and being alone with God, that there was, a, there was like a power that just began to pour out of his ministry as he came back and began to pour out to the people. So there's a, there's a, a pattern in that for us. He says it this way in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast. Right? When you fast, not if you fast which to me kind of settles this thing. This is not some sort of practice of the old days that is no longer applicable anymore, that worked then, that doesn't work now. 
This is a spiritual discipline that Jesus emulated, and he even compels us to follow as part of our walk with him. This is when you fast, not if you fast. But frankly, I have found uh, that it is one of the more rare, the more misunderstood things uh, in the church and probably rarely practiced spiritual disciplines, let's say maybe in, in the Western church. But it is a very important thing uh, for us to continue to grow in our walk to have this rhythm worked into our life. I look back over my journey, and maybe you could say the same thing. But since I started walking with Jesus, it's really just been like this steady growth process. I just I feel like I've just been growing for, for 20 years plus, and it's just, just getting better and better. But if I were to chart it, it would actually look like this. There would be these moments where there were these spikes, right? These jumps, if you will, in that growth curve. And there are a few things that I recognize were, were elements of those moments. One of them is whenever I realized that I needed to get involved in the church, that serving the local church was part of my call. It was part of everybody's call to have your gifts and talents put to use to advance the kingdom through the expression in the local church. And when I began to serve God with my talent and my time and use my gifts, uh, I started realizing I began to grow at a really rapid rate once I, once I started that process. I didn't even see that coming. Like, I didn't expect that. But once I started doing it, boom, it was like there was this huge growth curve. There was this place where we realized we need good, godly relationships at the core of our life to sharpen us and help us, and we need unhealthy relationships to be moved at a distance. And so there was a season of praying and pursuing, and once God began to assemble all that, boom, there was a spike in that growth curve. Getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost, boom, spike in the growth curve. But let me tell you another time where it was a huge jump was the first time that I participated in fast. God did so much in me. I was blown away by the level that he took me to just in my spirit, man, and the growth experience during that time. And I would encourage everyone uh, to make this a regular part of your spiritual growth process. You know, I look back and I remember a time with Pastors Mike and Christy, and this has always inspired Katie and I, where their oldest child, their daughter Brooke, there were some major changes going on in her school situation. I may get a couple of details wrong, but I'm allowed to do that. Um, there were a couple, there was a major situation going on in her school, situ, uh, her school uh, life and changes that were coming. School was going to be closing down or something that she was at and where she was going to go. Uh, major life decisions, obviously. And their response was they were going to take a year or that year and fast sweets for the entire year. Now, part of their tradition is they do you know, ice cream, and they enjoy that kind of stuff. And they said, you know what, we're not going to do that for this period of time. And as a family just pressed in and really sought God for direction on what he wanted them to do about that thing. And it worked out, obviously, very well. But we seek God and press in, and we respond these ways when we're looking for direction, when we're at a place where it's like, I need to know where to go, God. I need direction. I need to see where you want me to, to go and I'm not getting that right now, I'm not seeing it, and then we can respond in a time of prayer and fasting that's kind of more intense with the Lord. 
Uh, you might be in a period where you feel like all hell is coming against you, and it's just not relenting. You love the Lord, you're seeking God, but things just, it's like a fog and a haze around you, and it just keeps coming. Man, I'm just going to press in, and I'm going to pray fast, and I'm going to seek God for a breakthrough in this thing. There really is no bad reason to fast, but these are moments sometimes we come to in our lives where it's like, man, I don't know what else to do, and then the Lord's just leading you, hey, how about going deeper? How about take some time and consecrate, dedicate, sanctify these days to the Lord by going into a time of fasting and prayer and going deeper? Um, but it is. It's something that is often misunderstood by a lot of people in even the church where they think it's a, something that was done in the past. It's not really a part of our spiritual walk now. I remember whenever I kind of first started doing some fasting with the church that we were at um, years ago, and one of the days when I was at work, uh, one of the guys that I work with said something about how he was going to be fasting for the next day. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You're fasting with your church too? That's really, really awesome. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? Fasting for church? He's like, I've got a, a procedure, medical procedure tomorrow. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, well, I guess that makes sense too. <laughs> um, but it really stuck with me because he was a church-going guy, and it was totally unfamiliar to him. Like, it made no sense at all, you know? And I'm just, I, my heart really is, if, if in all of this today, it's to help move people forward to a place where fasting becomes a part of their rhythm, I think that, to me, that's a win. I really think that that's a win, is helping us go deeper and, and grow more in our, our faith. But that's individual fasting. The second kind that I want to talk about, which is obviously what these next three days are really all about, is corporate fasting. Corporate. Now, that word, corporate, isn't a word that you would find in the Bible. It's just a word we use to describe a principle, but the principle is very much found in the Bible, many different places. The principle is of corporate is it's the collective group. It's the greater majority of the whole, right? The, the large majority align and unify around a common cause, and they participate corporately. I would say in the case where Pastors Mike and Christy and their family were fasting, that was kind of a mini corporate fast, really. Their whole family unit was doing that. And Katie and I do that many times in different things in our life where we fast as a family. Um, it's great. And we teach the kids to do that. Now, none of our kids have ever done just water, they usually do fruits and vegetables, you know, they're growing, they need stuff, but they've participated in it, and I'm very glad and thankful that they understand it, and that they get excited about being in it together. So when we join in corporately, collectively, my faith is always elevated at a heightened level, because I know we're all hooked in together, going in the same direction, I should say. And, and there's power in corporate, right? It's the collective group. Um, you could look in the Bible and you could see a pattern of something that I would call corporate righteousness, which is whenever a nation or a people as a collective majority group are seeking the ways of God and serving the ways of God as, as a whole, as a large majority, right? corporate righteousness. And whenever that happens, there is a favor and a blessing that rests over the land, a glory that rests over the land that is different than whenever there is not a corpus right, righteousness among the people. Now I'll show you a couple of verses. Proverbs 14, 34. It says, righteousness exalts a nation, 
but, the sin, but sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 11, 11, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. So when you have a corporate sense of people in that nation serving and seeking God, there's a blessing and a favor, kind of an upswing, if you will, that's coming over and resting over that whole land. Hey, it's been one of my deep prayers for the last number of years to see that place reinstilled back here in our nation again. To see the favor and the blessing and the glory of God resting over America uh, like it needs to be. And so you have that sense of corporate righteousness. But just like that, I'm trying to demonstrate this concept of corporate. Just like corporate righteousness, you could go the other way, unfortunately, and a nation could be caught up in corporate sin. This isn't just like one individual sinning. It's corporately, as a, as a nation, the larger majority are caught up in some sort of sinful behavior and activity. And a great evidence of that would be the city of Sodom. We all know that, right? Sodom, fire and brimstone rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. They were caught up in corporate sin. Specifically, it was sexual immorality. But we know that because Abraham had a dialogue with God. And he said, hey, if, will you spare the city? If you find 50 righteous in the city, would you not destroy it? God said, okay, if there's 50. I'll, I'll, I'll relent. There wasn't. He said 40, 30, 20, 10. He's just stair-stepping all the way down till the 10. He said, 10 people, I'll spare the city. There were not even 10 people righteous in the city of Sodom. Ultimately, it was judged. So there's corporate majority that could be caught up in the ways of God, can be caught up in the sinful activity. And now that I've sort of demonstrated that principle, I'm building up to this, there is a concept of corporate fasting. We're in a local church, in the body of Christ. It could be at large. I mean, it'd just be amazing in our nation if, like, it was just everybody, let's pray and fast for the next week for the United States, and the leaders of our land did that, you know? It'd be unbelievable. Um, but corporate fasting, when we come together as a people, which is what this next three days is all about. Are we fasting individually? Yeah, obviously, of course. But there's a corporate nature to that. What makes it corporate? Well, when you read in the Bible and study this, you see that it is marked by a point where God divinely prompts or compels leaders of his people, it'll say it this way, to declare or call a fast in the land. So they say, we, we need to fast collectively. We need to come together corporately and fast as a people, this or that or whatever the specific things are we're seeking God for. So I went in and I spent the last couple weeks really studying this because there's tons of examples of fasting in the Bible, but I wanted to see all of the places where there were corporate fasts because I was recalling a lot of those, that language, call the fast in land, call the fast in the land. And what I found uh, where there was that there was about eight or nine of them that you would find in the Bible where it was corporate in nature that I could find. And... In those times, the leaders of the land would call a fast among the people. The people would come together, and then they would participate for different periods of time and seek God for maybe something specific that might have been different on different occasions. Like 75, 80% of the time, those fasts were in response to conviction of corporate sin. Essentially, they realized, oh my gosh, we have, we have drifted away. We have wandered. We are off the path as a nation and as a people. Sin is acceptable. It's adulterous. 
It's a norm and it's okay. Sound familiar? Right. It says we've drifted off. It was a response to corporate sin, or yeah, and it was a conviction. So when they fasted in these instances, it was because they were sorrowful. They were there was a godly sorrow, and they were lamenting in their fast. And I would just remind you that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance leads to forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to restoration. Right? And so that's what you would find in many of those cases, response to corporate sin. But here are a couple others that you'll see. I want to read this one in Second Chronicles, excuse me, Second Chronicles chapter 20. A leader by the name of Jehoshaphat calls a corporate fast. And this time it's in response to an attack that's coming against God's people, an attack that they are overwhelmed by and in the natural, severely outnumbered and have no means to be able to win this victory. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse uh, 2, it says, Some of the leaders came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria. So there were Syrian invaders. And they are in En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself, see that, set himself, aimed in a direction when you do this, set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. I'm going to jump down to verse 13 because I want you to hear this one too. Now all of Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. So here's the point. The people recognize, leaders are saying, hey, God's calling a fast. We need to fast. God's, you know, we're compelled to do that. The leader said, oh, yeah, we, we recognize that. God, God is petitioning us to do this. And they all participated. Do you see that? It wasn't like the people of the nation said, oh, you know, the leaders got this. They got this. They're going to fast. They're going to seek God. They're going to pray. They're good. We'll keep doing our thing. They fast and sacrifice, and then, then they'll help us see what we need to see. There was a greater sense of corporate. There was a greater sense of unity and wholeness and ownership amongst all of them, and they said, no, no, no. We are all in this together. We are seeking God for protection over our people, over our nation, we're coming together all as one, and we're going in the same direction while we do this. And folks, I'm telling you, there is power when a people will do that. And that's why I, I yearn to see our church be a church like that, where we're just, yeah, we're pressing in, and we are believing for God to do something huge. But it says also that them and their little ones all came together. There was a fast, a corporate fast in uh, Nineveh, when Jonah went there, it says they all fasted from the greatest to the least of them, from the oldest to the youngest. So listen to me, I want you to hear this. When we come together corporately to fast and we participate, our little ones and all of us, the older, the younger, everything, there is something God has planned in that for every generation. We will all come out of that with something greater that has been deposited in us. A sense of collective unity and ownership thing. And now this other last one I want to show you uh, is an example in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra is leading what I believe was the second.
second wave of Israelites out of Babylon when they were being released from captivity. Zerubbabel led the first group. They rebuilt the temple. Ezra comes along with the second group. And they're headed out of Babylon. They've been released by the king. And they're on their way back to Jerusalem, their homeland city. And along the way, on the journey, Ezra stops and says, we need to stop right here. We're calling a fast among the people in the land. We're going to stop here and we're going to fast. And I want you to see what happens. Verse 21, Ezra says, So I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our gods. Let me just say this. That's another important posture, is being humbled, right? When we come to the Lord, we're not like, you know, getting puffed up that we could somehow resist food or resist something during a period and feel strong. No, we're actually humbling ourselves and doing that because we're seeking something from God that we need that we can't find on our own. So they humbled themselves before God to seek him for the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road. Because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. So here's what's happening. They're on their way to Jerusalem. Ezra did not want to ask the king in Babylon to also send them with a personal escort. He didn't want to ask him to send them with troops. He'd already released them. He didn't want to say, hey, would you send your troops to protect us on the way too? Because he wanted God's protection over his people to be very obvious. But they came to this place along the road, along the route, where Ezra realizes, okay, there are a lot of different paths and trails we can take to get there. And it's going to be a very dangerous journey on the way. There are raiders everywhere. There are enemies in the land that are, could come against us. There are a lot of difficulties. So he stops and says, okay, we need to fast and pray to seek God for the direction, for the right path to get to the destination that we are headed. So, so let me give you an important point here to get out of this. There are times, and I'll say much like this is the case in what we're doing, approaching the Lord in this fast with our church, there are times where the, the vision or the destination has been revealed in the They knew where they were going to end, where they wanted to end up. They knew they wanted to get back to Jerusalem. The destination has been revealed in the heart, but the path to get there has not yet been revealed. And I think that's a great way of God's wisdom and how he relates to us. He puts a dream and a vision and a desire in our heart for where he wants to take us, and then it burns, it moves us, it compels us. But then we move along the way and we realize, oh my gosh, I need God to reveal the order of my steps and how I'm going to get there. So I am dependent upon him every single step of the way in this journey. Isn't that good? He says, you, you, we need to understand the direction to get to the places that God has already revealed that he is wanting to take us. And then uh, the last part of that verse in verse 23 it says, so we fasted and entreated God for this. They sought him for direction. And listen to this last part. And he answered our prayer. 
and he answered our prayer. It is the way of God, if the heart is right, that we choose to sacrifice, withhold from things, in order to consecrate and dedicate that time entirely. Our heart is to get closer to him, to seek him for his ways. It is the heart of God to respond to that when we go in that direction. We entreated the Lord, and he answered our prayer. So let me say it like this. If you approach this time of fasting, coming into this place with the right heart, you can expect God to respond to that. Now, how he responds, and you know, you may come looking for a certain thing, and God may respond in a different way. Let's just understand that. But he will respond to these moments in these places where we choose to set aside, sanctify this time to press in him. And I think that is a very exciting thing. Again, it's a, it's a rhythm, if you will, to our lives. Now you say, well, uh, is, if we didn't fast here at the beginning of this year, you know, does that mean that we wouldn't see blessing over the year or anything? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is that we feel God has led us to just do this at the beginning of our year to set aside time because we want clarity of vision. We want direction. We want everybody to really be unified in that. And we're just, we're just responding in faith, saying we feel compelled to do this. We want to invite everybody to be a part of this and participate in that. And then we know there can be an expectation that God will show up and meet us in this place. And he'll do something significant in all of us individually, but listen to me, collectively as a people as well. And that's something that my heart is burning for. You can expect God to respond. Isn't it nice when you know you can have an expectation for something to happen when you do certain activity? Like I've come to learn. If I come into the house and I just got a nice cleaned up haircut and I got a little five o'clock shadow going on, I kind of bat my eyes. I mean, I know what to expect from Katie. She can't stay away, right? I do this. I know this is what happens. Six kids later, I've learned, okay? There are things that God gives us that we can have an expectation for. I can't tell you specifically what he's going to do, but I can tell you he's going to do something. I can tell you he's going to do something. If it's your heart to grow closer and to go deeper with him. And so I'm just going to close on that, that as we go into these next three days, starting tomorrow, however you choose to participate, let, let the Lord lead you. I, we, we're not going to get legalistic or anything like that. Uh, you know if it's a sacrifice or not, right? You know. Choose to participate over these next few days and just really press in and seek God. I believe that he'll do something significant in you. But I'm asking you, and I wanted to go through and, and teach on this and show patterns and what fasting is all about and why it's important um, because it's a way of God's people. And I want us to join in together for those who feel compelled and want to hook in. And I know that there's power in a united front. We're seeking God for the same thing. God, forward. Take us into the next leg of this journey. Help us to move into this next place that you have for us as a church and as a campus, everything. Help us to move into this next place with favor, with grace, and with your name being made famous. But God, we want the plans to be revealed to your people. Clarity, instruction, 
way that's embraced, where there's a greater sense of purpose in all of us, where we are part of a family, we are part of a community, we are part of a body that God has assembled and united for a reason and for a purpose in this time that we live in. Amen? So let's just do this. I want to close with a prayer that our time would be fruitful, impactful, and uh, first I want to specifically pray over this. We talked about how you know, there was a fast that was called in response to attacks that were coming against God's people. I am going to be praying and seeking the Lord through these three days for all of the families and the households in our church. And I'm going to be praying for help. I know there's a lot of things going on, illnesses, sicknesses, I mean, plagues and infirmities have ravaged many a century. There's a lot going on in our day. But I just can't help but continue to come back to this place where I, in my spirit, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for God's people. And so I am praying and seeking God for the health, the well-being, strength and the immunity in all of his people, all the households and families in our church coming against that attack. And I'm coming against the attack of broken households, families, marriages, relationships with kids, siblings, just a lot of attacks that are happening on that front. I believe that we serve a God of restoration and healing. And I'm, I'm just seeking God intently for those specific things for the households of our church. But we're also praying that God would speak to us, each and every one of us through this time. Settle, seal, confirm. Are you supposed to be getting ready to embark on new territory? Making a huge step into a new season. It's been a lot that we have had to do to move into this place. We did it because we believe God has called us to do it. Are you supposed to be? If you are, I mean that with all of my heart. I do. With all of my heart. You have a part. You have a part. And I look around and I see the people that God has brought here. I see everybody. To play the part God is calling them to play. You have gifts, talents, treasures that are perhaps significantly untapped right now that God wants to raise to new levels. But it's not just about this church. It's about the kingdom. It's about you having a part in advancing the kingdom of God collectively on the earth in this generation. So in this time, I pray that God would really witness to, speak to, and reveal that to us we'd be set on fire with mission and purpose, especially that there would be unity in each and every one of us, God's people, about where we're going and where we're headed, that we might be able to go somewhere great. Amen? Father, we just thank you for that, and we ask you for that, and we anticipate that according to what your word has shown us. We anticipate that over these next few days and over these months. We just give you all the glory and the honor for what you will do 
through that, as a result of that. Everybody said, amen, amen. Well, God is good, isn't he? He's a good God always, all the time. Yeah, I was talking to some folks, and uh, I was really blessed this, this last few days. I talked to a lot of people that said, you know, I know it was a crazy 2021, but it was a really good year for me. Um, and I know it was a hard year for a lot of people, but there are a lot of amazing things that still happen in the lives of so many of, uh, of the people in our church. And uh, so there's a great expectation for 2022, for what he's going to do in our church and our families and households. Uh, and I'm just excited to be a part of that and get to do that together with all of you. So may you go in the peace and favor of God. May your year be blessed. May provision just pour out of the windows and the doors of your households. May there be abundance at every turn and in every corner so that we are an incredibly generous people. In the name of God, Jesus Christ, amen. Have a wonderful day, everybody. God bless you.